Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon. Uh, you're very welcome. And thank you for your message the other day uh, on our 30th birthday par- programme. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. It's such an achievement. Thank you very much. And well, thank you. I really appreciated all those messages. Now, listen, uh, we've had a lot, of, number of calls in this morning about Dublin Zoo. You probably heard what happened in Dublin Zoo and the fact that they're running out of money and all of that. And some people are <laughs> suggesting if the zoo was to close, could all those animals go out and live in, live send them back to where they came from, i.e. let them live in the wild. I'm saying that that possibly could, that surely could happen because those animals, many would have been bred in captivity. No, now I'll preface this with I'm no zoologist, so I wouldn't be the expert on this. However, most animals um, that would be, let's say, within a zoo environment would have either been bred in captivity or would have been, let's say, in that environment for a very long time. So they would have potentially lost the skills they would need to fend for themselves and to keep themselves alive and safe in the wild. So for them, they being put back into a wild environment would be really, really strange for them. Um, and for them, it would mean that they'd be put into a situation in a lot of cases where they wouldn't have the, the life skills um, to keep themselves safe, stress-free and fed. So in most cases, I would assume that that wouldn't be possible, unfortunately. And what I would say is a lot of... A lot of um, zoos out there do a really really great job at providing um as close to a natural environment as they can with lots of enrichment and large enclosures and lots of covers so that they're not let's say in contact with people a lot or in visual sight line of sight with people a lot to try and make it as normal as they can just for that for that animal to have let's say a stress-free and, and as happy a, as a as a time as it can have but um unfortunately most of those animals to my knowledge they would they would be animals that would be candidates for let's say release into the wild yeah and look at photos fantastic i mean that's as yeah. close to living in the the wild, those those animals, and obviously Dublin Zoo is struggling. So is Fota. So the government coming on board mm-hmm. uh, to bail them out. Okay, let's get straight into questions for you. Breathe says, "Hi Patricia, would you please ask Jane the vet for advice? I trapped and got two approximately four month old kittens neutered last Wednesday. The plan was to keep them in a small room for forty eight hours to recover before releasing them back out into the wild. But says Breathe, I now can't turf them out. One is coming towards me and is purring but the other is very scared. Now I have two elderly cats, indoor cats myself. One is 14, one is 15. I'm worried about introductions. How do I go about it? 
Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like these acts have suddenly come to the realization that they've they've landed in their feet and being caught and trapped by this lovely lovely caller, um, who's taking care of them and, and responsibly getting them neutered. Um, I think it really depends on where you want to go from here. Um, if they were, let's say, wild feral cats outside, which is, is what they sounded like, um, they may have, let's say, the, the early life skills to be able to survive in that environment um, and to hunt as a feral cat would. However, they may have decided that the, the quiet life is for them and that they prefer to, let's say, be owned and fed, which is, sounds like what's happening. Um, introductions to older cats can always be a real challenge. If you want to incorporate them into the household, I would try and keep them, let's say, um, at somewhat of a distance from your older cats because we need to keep everybody safe in that situation and adding further felines into the situation will always kind of upset the household dynamic a little bit at least for a little while until it settles and everybody learns what the pecking order is um, certainly while they're recovering um, after their neutering procedure for the next 7 to 10 days I wouldn't attempt to incorporate them into the household with the older cats until all that sort of because like ourselves after we have an operation sometimes we're a little bit grumpier than we might be usually and certainly when we're in introducing them to new members of the household you know we don't want any extra grump in there then then we'll already be there with the situation so I would give it time um, I would just make sure that if you are incorporating those cats into the household or into kind of the household area outside make sure that they don't have to compete for resources so make sure that if you want those cats to stay around that there's more than enough food for those cats and your own senior cats so that there's no fighting over food as a resource but also lots of sleeping places lots of peeing places so lots of cat litter um, if they are let's say within the house itself now if you didn't want to incorporate those two little cats into your household and let's say you, you were good enough to catch them as, as feral cats get them neutered so that they wouldn't be let's say expanding the, the feral cat population anymore which is a great thing to do um, if they were feral to begin with they probably have the life skills to to manage themselves um so what i would say is uh, keep them in for their recuperation period but if you don't want to incorporate them into the household i would try and feed them far away from the house as far away from the house as you can for a few days to make sure they're okay and then they'll probably decide that they can hunt and fend for themselves elsewhere um, but it is certainly a challenge but well well done for yeah for and, stepping and, up and, and a lot of with the population and yeah well done breathe and a lot of patience you will you can if you really are dedicated to a feral cat you can turn the cat around mm-hmm. the little one that's nervous may always be nervous uh, but it's certainly it yeah. is it really is it's it's worthwhile but you need so much uh, patience okay uh, Jane my cat keeps looking for food but then when I put the food down won't eat it uh, I think it might be a kidney stone no I don't know where the, where where what these to believe it might be a kidney stone unless the cat had suffered from a kidney stone before Mm. Yeah, there could be a number of things going on here. I, I, Unless there was a history of, let's say, kidney or urinary issues, I wouldn't be jumping straight to, to a kidney stone as a problem, particularly if you haven't seen them, let's say, struggling to pee or, or anything like that. Um, I think it definitely sounds like something that needs dealing with. I would be a little bit concerned if they're looking for food and then not eating it, if there's something that's making them uncomfortable when they're eating. So it's they're hungry, but they, they want to avoid the discomfort of eating. So it could potentially be something as simple as a toothache that needs dealing with. Um, with cats, there's a lot of reasons that they won't eat. But one thing I would say is a, a cat that will not eat is a sick little cat because normally they will, they'll have to be really quite unwell or in quite a lot of pain before they will will 
will, won't eat because their instinct and the constant instinct will drive us cats is, is to keep themselves fed. So they, it takes a lot for them to overcome that and go off their food. What I would say is, regardless of what we think the cause is, I would visit your vet for a full physical exam um, and I would certainly get that checked out. Yeah, because it certainly is not uh, normal. OK, no. what is the treatment for a diabetic dog? William wants to know. Uh, so treatment for diabetic dog. Um, first of all, it's really important to work with your vet to fully diagnose that it is definitely diabetes. So the classic signs of diabetes in dogs is drinking more and peeing more, sometimes weight loss and sometimes changes in their vision as well, because um, unfortunately, as part of diabetes, sometimes it can have a, it can cause knock on problems in the body like cataracts. Um, Working with your vet, you need to check that their their blood sugars are, are high over over a reliable period of time. Um, but normally they'll start you on treatment, which is insulin. So essentially what diabetes is, is that the pancreas, one of the organs in the body that normally makes insulin, which is a hormone that helps control our blood sugar levels, stops working. So we need to take over that function for that little dog. And generally that will be in the form of insulin injections. Now, it really depends on um, on what, what the story is with your dog as regards how much help it needs. Uh, but normally we will be taking over all of the insulin production for that dog. So it will be usually be an injection twice a day with some types of insulin. It's once a day. OK, that, that explains, on what your that explains the question. William wants to know, is it possible to get tablets? He obviously doesn't like the idea of the injections. No. Unfortunately not. Now, to my knowledge, there is no tablet medication out there. Um, and that'll generally be because insulin is something that needs to, once it's required, it needs to enter the body quickly. And the quickest way of things entering and being absorbed into the body is generally through injection. Whereas, let's say, tablets take a little bit more time to be kind of uh, absorbed and assimilated into the body to do their work. So, no, unfortunately, to my knowledge, tablets don't exist. OK, but you get, you'll get you get used to it. You and the dog, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming. And I, and I think if you're concerned about doing the injections, tell your vet about that. Don't be worried at all. We realise that for owners, it's a big thing having to learn to inject their own pet. But you'd be surprised once you get used to it, yep. it becomes part of the routine. And for your pet too, it becomes part of the routine. OK, Gary in uh, Mallow. I have a golden Labrador, 11 years old. He has a mass on his stomach. I know Labradors are prone to benign cysts as they get older. Doesn't seem to be bothering him and his appetite is OK and he's generally, you know, fine and his normal normal mm-hmm. self I'm wondering does it need to be investigated I would um, there's two ways of thinking about this um, I suppose the, the underlying question is if it was to be something serious would you want to go ahead and do surgery to remove it if it was possible um, to give them the best chance if that was appropriate if it was a mass that needed removing if the answer is yes, I, I really think you should visit your vet. Now, your vet will take a look and sometimes we'll have a, a bit of a gut feeling about whether it's going to be a good or bad news. But to be honest, a lump is a lump, proven otherwise. Generally, we'll need to do some kind of diagnostics, whether that's taking a little sample with a needle or doing a little biopsy, a little surgical biopsy to send to the lab so the pathologists can look at what type of cells, what type of tissue it is and, and tell us uh, exactly what's going on. And it may be benign, it may be good news, it might just be a little fatty lump, but it's really important to to know that fatty lumps um, that will be quite benign and harmless sometimes can look quite similar to some things that's a little bit more sinister so a cancerous lump so for peace of mind for yourself I'd visit your vet and get some and then Mary says I have a boxer who has an itchy rash I've been attending the vet for two years trying to get to the bottom of it now my vet has come to the conclusion that we may never find the cause and therefore may never find the cure Uh, what would Jane suggest 
yeah, this this is really a, a common frustration, both for vets and for owners. Um, we never want to see our pets itching and scratching and uncomfortable. Skin disease is incredibly complex, although it's something we can see visually on the surface. The causes underneath it can be really, really challenging because sometimes with a rash or let's say an infection, we're seeing the, the end point of something that may have been brewing in the skin for a little while. Sometimes looking back, it's difficult to see what caused it. Sometimes it can be very challenging. It could be an, an allergy or let's say being in contact with something that's causing an irritation. But if you can imagine, if, if we were to have skin disease, we'd probably be asked by our, our dermatologist to know everything we're in contact with or the patterns of what we eat every day. But it's very difficult to ask a dog what they've been in contact with and everything they've eaten that day. So we can have extra challenges. What I would say is don't lose heart. The most important thing is comfort. So speak to your vet. I'm sure they'll sort you out with some, some medication to, to make things a little bit more comfortable. Although we might not be able to get to the bottom of it, we'll be able to make our pet comfortable. And that's always the priority. Okay. All right. We leave it there. Uh, Jane, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Thursday. You too. Thank Thanks you. a million. Bye bye. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in uh, Newmarket. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.